Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Hey, Sebastian. It's been a good week, man. It has been. Um, it's been a week of uh, a lot of talking and a lot of conversations and a lot of meetings. But, I mean, ultimately, it's been difficult for soccer because it's been cold slash snowing uh, a lot of the week. But it's cool because we've been able to kind of tackle some of the other stuff that we don't get to do during the, you know, the hectic spring and fall seasons that we usually have training. So we've been able to meet on Zoom and do some other things with Strive. Absolutely. Yeah. So we um we have been uh we've we've had Strive on the podcast or Linda's been on the podcast before. Um and we've we've been able to pilot a or we're piloting a middle school leadership curriculum that they've put together that normally um, happens in schools, but they wanted to be able to do it with an, a youth organization. And they picked Delaware union with the connection that we have with ASPI and Delaware union that kind of helped. Um, so we started yesterday, coach Kyle, Duane and, and Derrickson and myself. Um, we started our middle school curriculum program, which uh, is, is going to be an interesting experience. I think. Uh, yeah, we've got a ton of kids on Zoom. Um, I'm not cut out to be a teacher, I don't think. I'm a better coach than I am a teacher. been self-reflecting over the last, you know, 12 hours. <laughs> I don't think the teaching thing is for me. Um, maybe it was the first day jitters. Yeah, and I think that ultimately the first day is, is always tough for everybody. But I think over the next, uh, over the next you know, 14 weeks or so or, or however long we're gonna we're gonna ultimately do this i think it's gonna be it's gonna be a really cool experience for our players um you know we're, we're gonna talk about leadership but we're also gonna talk about character uh self-awareness motivation courage grit ethics uh and the the leadership part of it we're gonna do collaboration communication uh and then culture creation which i think for us you know when when strive talks about character driven leadership that's ultimately what we want. You know, it's part of our mission. It's literally on our mission and vision that we want to be able to develop better, um, better members of society. Yeah. You know, better human beings. And we're using soccer as the Avenue or the, or the vehicle for it. So we're this, this falls right in line with what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, soccer is a team sport. So you already have to work with, I mean, the people within your team, whether your team has 16 players, 12 players, you know, the 11 players that are on the field, you know, you're always working with a group of people and different groups of people, right? Coaches are making subs, different people are coming in. And I think it's, um, you know, like you said, building higher quality people and just giving them that foundation. And I think the classroom part of it kind of tells them what the why is, right? Like, why do we talk about grit? We can talk about grit and leadership during practice all fall. But I think sometimes kids get it on the field and then I think that sometimes the kids need like a classroom setting environment to kind of you reach out to a different pocket of kids and they understand what their why is. Yeah. Well, and I think the, and it brings up the the topic of mental health. Um, and it's something that we've been talking about probably for the last few weeks. Um, and it's something that someone hit home a little bit for me this past week um, with a uh, with the passing of a, of a player from Argentina or who's from Uruguay who was playing in Argentina. Um, 30 years old who committed suicide and you know he was he was suffering from depression and it and in Argentina it brought up a lot of it brought up the topic of of mental health 
at every level of the game, not just the first division top teams and, and also the making sure that it, you know, the idea of asking for help doesn't get classified as weakness, which is something we've talked about on the podcast before. And it, and it brought up a lot of thoughts about what, how we normally handle, you know, this idea of winning and losing um, and, and the pressure that we put on kids uh, ourselves included, you know, we were, we're all at points guilty of it unconsciously. I think at times, I don't think anyone, any of us consciously wants to guilt or, or pressure any kid on purpose. I think it's part of, you know, when the, when the ball rolls, you, you that competitive edge kind of fills you um, and you, you want to win. Obviously none of us step into a game going, Oh, I want to lose. But at the same time, it, it becomes the idea of like the development should not trump the um, or the sorry, the results should not trump the development. So, you know, the this idea of of mental health is something that doesn't get talked about enough. I don't think, at least from a coaching education perspective, um, it's not a topic of conversation in coaching education. Um, well, I think like part of it is like, you know, we kind of a lot of soccer coaches are teachers or work in the education field during the day. So I think, you know, in my past couple of years in education, like, you know, this idea of mental health and SEL learning has kind of started to take over, you know, with different programs and different ways to, and avenues to go about things to starting to take over. I think now you're starting to see the trickle down effect into sport, youth sports, right. Where you have, you know, soccer, we're focusing on it, but, you know, also in like football and gymnastics and things like that, all those people are starting to focus in on the mental health side of the game as well. And I think it's just going to, you know, blossom from there. You're going to have more people start to have these conversations. Um, ideas are going to start to flow. Programs are starting to develop. And then I think in a couple of years, you'll be like, wow, like, you know, Soccer is an all-inclusive program. It's not just about how many goals you score and can you go to college. Like my kid didn't like parents going to be able to say my kid didn't go to college, but to play soccer, but they still became a productive adult because of the life lessons they learned, you know, at eleven and twelve years old on the soccer field. Well, and I think that's the that's the key, and that's the important part, and that's becomes difficult at times because sometimes it takes something bad or, or something that needs to be brought up in a negative light for something positive or for positive change. And that, that becomes difficult. Cause then you ask yourself, why didn't I just, why don't we just do this correctly from the first time if we knew this is the right thing to do. Right. And, and obviously this stems a conversation for a lot of different topics, but if we focus on soccer specifically, and you brought up a good point, you know, there, there are a lot of teachers now that are, that are coaching soccer, but there's also a lot of myself included. Um, I don't have a teaching degree. I, I, my degree is in communications and, and, and even in the, in the master's program I was in, it was not necessarily about teaching. It was in the administrative side of things. And it, the, the, the hard part I think comes in where, again, we, we expect that coaches are going to be able to know how to handle players, but we also don't give them the tools necessary to be able to handle players from different aspects of the game. So we teach them how to drop cones and, and how to um, how to tactically adjust to winning one nothing or losing one nothing with five minutes left in the game, but we don't ever really talk about like, all right, so you are one nothing up in a game, or you are down, or you're up, or you're down one nothing, you know, in a game. 
how do you now handle that with a group of 10 year old kids? So that way you don't lose your composure or furthermore, if you let's just say you do lose with, with five minutes left of the game, you lose one, nothing. And partially it was because you're coaching a group of 10 year olds and you decided to make subs because it was just part of the rotation. And one of the kids that came in made a mistake. Boom. The goal goes in and now you lost. How do you now address that with the parents a day after, right? How do you make sure that, how do you make sure that, 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 that doesn't become the defining moment for that kid or that none of the other parents look to that kid and go, Oh, well we lost because you know, your kid screwed up or whatever, which ultimately yeah, like blatant that that one kid screwed up. Right. Yeah. And how do you downplay it? Right. And how do you downplay it in the sense that like, you're not saying that it's okay to make a mistake necessarily, but it's also not a life ending mistake, right? It's not a career ending mistake. You made a mistake just like any of us made a mistake, make mistakes a hundred times a day. And, and, you know, we've been talking about, in practice about this idea of of can we make a lot of mistakes in a practice you know not on purpose but can we make mistakes because we're trying something different we're trying something new and and the concept of, of that is is different in the sense that no one wants to admit that they want to make mistakes we, we we talked about it yesterday when we met with our players we're talking about you know how our leaders born or not and we're asking them if it's myth or fact and some of them are answering fact which Again, understandably so, because that's maybe the 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 way they're they're brought up and things like that. And I'm not blaming the parents by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that part of this is having that cultural change a little bit to to say that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you understand and you can learn from them. You gotta right? understand the the consequence of your mistakes. I say consequence. Consequence doesn't always have to be bad, right? Yeah. You can make a mistake and it's a consequence, but it's still, you know, okay, it's not the worst thing in the world. You got to understand what you got to go in and say, all right, you know, if I make this back pass, you know, it's going to go to my keeper. Consequences, you know, if I play it too hard, you know, he may miss hit it. If I hit it too soft, the other team may run onto it, right? Like it's the right thing to do. You can't go forward. You can't do whatever. Let me play it back. But you got to live with the with the mistake. But I like what you said, like with the U10 team, you know, you, that kid makes a mistake, but at U14, we handle it a lot differently, right? If that kid makes a mistake to lose the game, one nothing, oh, yeah. that kid may own up to that mistake at U14, right? That kid may say, hey, coach, my bad, you know, or apologize to the team, right? You see well, something totally different. Well, and I think that's what we need to we need to get into this idea that like, it's okay to make mistakes and it's also okay to, to show humility and own up to them. Right. There's nothing that says that you can't go like you just said, Hey, my bad. Like, yeah, you know what? Like I made a mistake. I mean, I, la- yesterday I was watching the FIFA club world cup final. Um, and I watched Tigres play against Bayern and a Tigres player who's playing as a center back, decides to head the ball back to Guzman, who's a goalkeeper for Tigres. Now, Guzman was at the top of the box. This player was 10 yards from him. The player, the center back thought Guzman was still inside the six. So all of a sudden, the ball starts rolling almost into the goal. Guzman had to run and, and grab it. But, like, yeah, that could have been that could have been pretty bad. But at the same time, 
you can make a mistake. You raise your hand, you put your hand to your chest, whatever you want to say. Like, you know, you put hands together, like whatever. Right. So you just say, yeah, my bad. Like I made a mistake and that's the hard part. Right. So we, we, we at times as a, as a collective, um, or we allow parents at times or us as coaches, we, we make kids feel pretty bad for making mistakes when we know they're kids and they're not perfect. Right. We don't ever really talk about the fact that professional soccer players, right. Professional players ask the Liverpool, the Liverpool goalkeeper from last week. Like he's supposed to be regarded as one of the best goalkeepers in the entire world. And he made two crucial mistakes that cost him the game. Right. You don't think he was at training the next day. You don't think he was just trying to work hard and and trying to get better. I mean, we all develop at all. I mean, when we look at professional soccer players, we're still looking at 25 to 30 year olds, 20 to 32 year olds, 33 year olds. Right. I mean, well, you're you're still looking at human. You're still looking at human beings too. Right. You're still going to look at a, you're looking at people that haven't lived half their life though. Right. I'm 33 and I haven't, I don't have my life figured out. Yeah, like, well, you're looking at 25 to 33 year olds, right? Like they still wake up, you know, feeling sore. They still wake up feeling like they don't want to get out of the bed. They still feel wake up saying, "Hey, I don't want to go to work today." Like, oh man, I gotta watch my kid. Like, you know, all these different things. They still live in life too, right? So, like, even though they're a professional athlete, they make millions of dollars. They're always on TV. Their jersey is the best selling. They're still human beings at the end of the day, and we have to treat them. I think that's where you know some of the issues with athletes the clash between you know normal people and athletes and the fans and the athletes happen is that sometimes we forget that they're humans as well like you know i don't know if i'm fortunate enough to know any professional athletes i can't think of off the top of my head personally but you know you see these like lebron james two of his best friends growing up work for him right yeah they're best friends they were at one point in life they were just lebron james rich paul maverick carter they were just those three guys yeah. It didn't mean anything, right? Right. Now we put them on the pedestal, and now, you know, LeBron misses a free throw, and now it's the end of the world, or, like, the Lakers aren't winning the championship. It's okay. We still, like, there's still tomorrow. Going back to the U10 thing, right? Like, communicating with that team or that, those families, you know, before the season or prior to that game, hey, here's what our expectations are for the year, you know? Our expectation as you, at U10 is not to go 15-0 and 0 and hold up the trophy at the end of the year. We don't care, right? We don't want to be the best U10 team. We want to develop players to understand, you know, this is what their front foot is. This is what an angled pass is. This is what a – like, we don't want to play square balls. We want to look at those positive things. And even though that kid may make that bad pass, we look at it and say, hey – he made one bad pass, but last week he made five. Yeah. Right. Well, be able to understand, be able to have the skills that will last you a lifetime. Right. Or be able to develop a passion that will last you a lifetime. Right. Right. You winning a trophy at 10 years old is not going to define you as a soccer player, good or bad. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Like, just- I, I have a friend from middle school. We went undefeated my eighth grade year, 13 0 and 1, tied our last game. Right. But to this day, every time he sees me, that's like his the, the pinnacle of his soccer career. He was like, dude, we went undefeated at eighth grade. Like, great. I was like, I played for another eight more years after that. Um, 
right. great. Like that that doesn't like that middle school championship didn't really mean anything to me. It doesn't really. It shouldn't mean. Not saying that it's not important, but it's well, still. Your, more. Well, here's the question: Is your friend still play soccer? No. That's the see. That's then, and that's the disservice, or that's the that's the tough part, right? We want to be able to develop lifelong soccer fans or people that enjoy the sport, whether they play it or not. I don't play soccer anymore, but it is absolutely by far above anything else my favorite sport ever. Right. Right. It's a thing I watch on a daily basis. So. But I don't play soccer anymore. It, 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 I coach soccer and I live soccer, but so, so I've developed a passion for it. And part of it is, you know, part of it is how I grew up and where I grew up and things like that. But so it's, it's definitely an interesting concept for sure. Dwayne, uh, if you remember a few weeks ago, we had Ashley Lair on from US Club and uh, we, we briefly mentioned jokingly around at first, but then also being extremely serious how we almost wanted to be the official uh, podcast of U.S. club soccer or, or at least be a part of it or, or try to get something going from that perspective. Uh, well, Ashley was able to connect with us with some really cool people. Um, and you made the point of trying to get somebody in from North Dakota. Well, you know what? You wanted it. The marketing analytics department came through. So today with us, we have Logan Christensen. He is the technical director or the Boys and Girls Program Director uh, for Magic Soccer FC in Bismarck, North Dakota. Logan, how you doing? Good, good. Pleasure to be here. Thanks a lot, guys. North Dakota. <laughs> that is, we listen, got, we, we are... We got it with snow this week. So, how much snow do you guys have in North so Dakota? So, Logan, right just to give you an idea... Our entire world pretty much shut down because we got three and a half inches of snow. Yeah, that's like a typical Sunday for us. So now uh, we've actually been, this winter has been pretty crazy. Uh, it's actually, we just kind of got snow, but outside right now it's like negative 15, 16 uh, and the sun's out. So it's pretty deceiving, but uh, yeah, we haven't had a lot of snow this year, but. But it's cold. It's, it is freezing. Yeah, it's one of those. One of those winters where you have to start your car, uh, jumpstart your car almost every day, kind of. Oh man! All right. Well, well. Uh, so one of the interesting questions. So one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on uh, was multiple reasons, but one of them reasons is because you guys are a players' first club, just like we are, and we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but one of the other reasons is because you are North Dakota, and we are super interested in this idea of how clubs in general function in places where it's negative 15 degrees. So tell us a little bit about uh, magic soccer FC in general as a club. Yeah. So, um, you know, our, our origin story, I guess you could say um, we originated as um, kind of like a skills training program that was just offered as an additional way to develop players. Um, our founder, is, his name is Ricardo Pierre-Luis. Uh, he has some MLS background, played for the Columbus crew um, when they won the MLS Cup in 2008. He was a part of that team. Um, and he also played for the Haitian national team. So um, he really valued like the skills part of things and developing players to be really technical players. So we originated as like a small, um, small group training program. And then uh, in the winter in North Dakota, we do um, – indoor tournaments because there's no obviously no space to play outdoors so um, there was an indoor tournament coming up and we had a group of you know eight players who were like 
hey, Ricardo, Logan, you guys should uh, coach our team for the weekend and, and we could play as Magic Soccer uh, and be your guys' uh, team for the weekend. And it just kind of snowballed from there and we kind of grew um, from there. And then we eventually became uh, a full-on club uh, after that. That's pretty cool. Um, so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned two things that stand out to me. One, um, the idea of the technical development. So the, the skills training, um, and then the other part was, so you, you, in the winter, you guys play indoor. Um, so are you talking futsal or are you talking like indoor on turf? So it's futsal on turf actually. Okay. okay. So, yeah. So how, so how does that, so what, what's the style of play now as a club and how does that trans translate from being indoor to going outdoor in the, in the summer months? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, um, we've talked about this a lot. Um, our, our philosophy is, is, uh, related to the outdoor game. So 11 v 11, not five aside. So what we do is we have a curriculum that we've developed and it's it's for indoor but the the ideas are what's going to correlate to when we go to 11 v 11 so um you know the nice thing about playing small-sided games is you get lots of touches on the ball um it, it definitely helps with like your fitness because there's a lot of movement um but it's hard for players especially at a younger age to see how futsal can relate to 11 v 11 so we do a lot of like movement off the ball, creating and exploiting space and how that would relate and give them pictures in a smaller, like smaller level. And then when we get to the 11 aside, we, we still incorporate the same wording and the same topics just on a bigger scale for them to see. That's, that's great. And then the fact that, that you guys are trying to use, I, you said the word wording, which I think it, to me is critical because um, we talk about how the soccer language at times everybody can interpret it however however obviously they they see um and it's hard because when we talk about futsal or or five aside um there's a lot of different terminology that could be used there that's somewhat different at times than the 11 v 11 so the fact that you guys are trying to use the same wording across your entire club means that you have a defined style of play as a as a club so what would what would you define your style of play uh from an 11 v 11 perspective as um, I would say it's, it's similar to like the typical, we, like we want to play a four, three, three. We want to possess the ball. We want to win the ball back as quickly as we can. Um, but we also want to teach our kids to understand that the game is fluid and they have to solve it, you know, however they can, and we won't be able to direct them the entire time. So um, that's, that's how we kind of look at it. And that's what we tell our coaches to make sure that the players know. So we're not, joystick coaching players from the sideline and giving them the answers, um, letting them be really creative and, and still go back to our origins of being, you know, developing the technical side to allow players to, you know, solve game, solve the game, not just being the most athletic player on the pitch, but being able to, you know, create a little bit of magic on their own and just kind of enjoy that piece of it as well. I like that. I like the fact that you threw the magic in there. That's nice. <laughs> uh, um, so how did, how did the, how did the U S club players first, uh, you know, initiative come come to you guys and, and how did you, or what did you guys think about applying? You know, U S club soccer has been uh, a great organization to work with in general. So um, when, when Ricardo found out about it, 
um, he just kind of jumped all in. You know, we we looked at it and U.S. club soccer being, you know, holistic based and focused on the player is something that's really important to us, too. So um, we just kind of thought it was the perfect fit and something that really aligned with our values as a club. And we also felt like, you know, there's a need for something for us to help us stand out more, give us uh, another pathway um, to invite players into our program and help them be a part of what we're trying to do. Um, and that was, that's kind of what drove us into that program. Yeah. I mean, for us, uh, for us, a lot of it was, uh, was having some sort of almost like an internal checks and balances, something to have a standard that we wanted to for sure be able to keep up on. Um, what was the reception like for, for the families in the club? um to be to have that honor because I, I mean the, the the cool thing about it is that um that they, they just announced a new class so i think there's 160 170 clubs now across the entire country and when you when you put it in perspective you know that might seem like a really large number but when you put it in perspective of 50 states 56 or 58 different state associations in general um you know you you look at just that that amount of clubs in the entire country to be a part of a, of an, an elite group to a certain extent, um, you know, what was the reception like for your families? You know, they're, they're happy. And, and it's kind of funny that they didn't even realize how big of a deal it was um, until we really pointed out. And we actually, you know, they have the map that shows like all the locations of clubs and stuff. And, you know, we're the only spec in, in North Dakota. So um, they didn't realize right away but you know we it's something that we continually bring up to them and and like you said it, it gave us some checks and balances that we can like help structure our club a little bit better um and that also allowed us to kind of share that with the parents as well and give them that information as well so they don't just look at us as you know a place that they send their kids to you know every every other day for training um instead it's it's an organization that's trying to help your kid you know, develop not just as a player either, but, you know, as, as a person, as a student, you know, outside of the game as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're going to dive into you in general as a coach, because one of the reasons why we have this podcast is because we want to be able to highlight people in general. Um, but one last question that I had about the club slash living in North Dakota, and you're, you're a North Dakota native, as I was doing my research, um, how does the season work out? What is, and I've been to Colorado. That's as probably as far Northwest as I've been. Um, but how does the season work as far as like, when does it, cause I, I at least I know from my buddy in Colorado uh, last year, I think they got snow up to like Memorial day weekend. So um, when are you guys going back outside and how long does your outdoor season last? Yeah. So um, a typical club season is, um, well, it, it would start for the summer. We start in March for the boys. Uh, North Dakota has, has the high schools split. So girls are in um, the spring, boys are in the fall. So our boys will start in March and usually around, you know, we'll start indoors, unfortunately, but I would say around, you know, middle of April is when the fields are, are okay for us to get outside. Um, we don't have a ton of turf surfaces here. We have one main turf surface um, in the city. We use grass pitches for us because we can just spread out more. Um, so we have to really wait for them to thaw before we can get out there. Um, and then we run all the way through till August. And then that's when the boys high school season will start. 
Um, and then that will run right up until, oh man, October, end of October is when the high school season ends. And then we have a month break and then we get into indoor. And um, I say in North Dakota, we usually get snow, um, you know, like a week after Halloween is usually when we have snow on the ground. Yeah. It's it, and I think that it almost brings up an interesting point about the planning um, that sometimes goes unnoticed. The the amount of planning that it takes to basically have that entire schedule memorized of like when you know that like week after uh, Halloween, boom, expect snow because that's when we have to then start transition and things like that. And those are the things that sometimes go unnoticed, uh, but are sometimes the most important. The the planning aspect of weather. I mean, you become almost like. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, a weatherman to a certain extent. Um, so how did you in general get started in coaching? It's, it's actually kind of funny. So, um, and it's, it's pretty selfish to be honest. Uh, I, I started coaching when I was a freshman in college. And the reason I got into coaching was because I wanted to use coaching to help me become a better soccer player. Uh, I was playing out the college um, and that was my main focus. So um, I wanted to use the education I got from coaching to help me kind of see things a little bit better. Uh, And it wasn't even really my idea. It was actually an idea that my dad had, you know, kind of put in the back of my brain. Um, And so I I got lucky. I was able to go take a course almost like a week after I made that decision that it was what I wanted to start with. Um, And then from there, you know, I think, most people, when they start, they get like a really young team. Um, I got a U10 boys team and I just loved every minute of it. Um, and, you know, I remember my first session uh, as a coach, I had like six kids that wound up crying because they got hit with soccer balls. And I had no idea how to deal with it. Um, and so I was a little bit timid at first, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that part of it. And that's kind of what drove me from there on just that excitement getting to go and work with kids after my session. Um, I know right away off the bat, I struggled for sure understanding what I was supposed to do. And that took a long time to understand. Um, you know, it's not all about me. Uh, it's, it's about developing kids and making sure that they enjoy it the same way that I enjoy it. But, um, that's, that's kind of how I got into it right away. And how did, how did the, how did the coaching aspect considering that you started on early on in your, in your college career, how did that help you with, with you as a player? It was, it was eye opening. Um, it's, it's also funny. Like my, my college coach was actually the one who ran my, uh, USSD, USSFD course. And that was the first one that I could take, um, So he actually ran it. So it really helped me kind of see things from the perspective of instead of just going through the motions and doing stuff to understanding why we were doing things and understanding the language that our coach was using and how I can incorporate that into uh, the training session, but also how I could do a better job of like self-training and training in isolation when I'm on my own. Right. So That was really important for me. And is that something you guys are trying to do at the club as well now with some of your older players? Yeah, we actually have a volunteer program and we actually have a couple kids who are interested in going into coaching. And so they're going to be, uh, they're going to be freshmen in freshmen in college next year. So they're seniors in high school and they're volunteering with our 
um, our U9 boys team. So they volunteer coach. They have Ricardo is actually their mentor. And he, he, he designs the session. He explains the session, but he also has them take charge and, and be involved in the training session. And it, it's such a, it's such an important thing. And we have, we have, we do a, something similar with our, with some of our high school girls. And, and at first um, I did it because I, I was hope, looking to, to provide a different opportunity for players it, it, and for them to be able to similar to, to your story, see the game in a different perspective and to help them, you know, um, develop as a player. But then it kind of, it's kind of spurred on a different idea of it, which was how the, how the younger players view it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such a great dynamic of the excitement. It's almost like you almost just become the least exciting person or least, uh, least important person in the world. You as a head coach of a team, when, uh, when you got a high school player coming in to coach a session or to help you with a session, they, they take the main focus. They take the majority of the attention, especially at the youngest age groups. Um, but it's, uh, it's amazing to see because it, it just, you know, full circles the pathway because then now it shows them that in, you know, 10, nine, 10 years, they could be exactly in that, in those, in those, in that position. So it's uh it's really cool. Um, so this next question comes from Duane because uh, Duane had uh, a short stint as a Hollister employee uh, of lasting all of 48 hours. Uh, so we want to know because soccer coaching, as we all know, is not something that you necessarily do uh, because it fills your bank account. Uh, greatly so what other jobs outside of soccer have you have you had other jobs i've had um that might be that might be at the level of 48 hours of hollister (laughs) well what right away when i graduated college um i was a sales rep for a uh a company i don't know can i say company names here or are you guys gonna get you can say uh, no you can say whatever you want (laughs) Uh, I worked for Bobcat. Um, their their corporate office is out here in North Dakota. So I was, uh, uh, it was a national account sales rep was my title. And basically I, I worked there for two years uh, while I was also doing this, uh, you know, the technical director gig. And basically I would sit there and answer phones. If I wasn't answering phones, I was designing training sessions almost all day. Uh, and so that's kind of after about two years, uh, I just kind of realized that it's definitely not what I wanted to do. I was really thankful for the opportunity, worked with some really great people, but I did realize that, uh, you know, I just, I couldn't sit in a cubicle all day and, you know, take phone calls and, and do that kind of job. So, um, I then went on to be a graduate assistant at the, the university of Mary for the women's soccer program. Um, and then just got hired on as the full-time assistant last year for this season. That's awesome. Yes, it's been great. It's been a true blessing to be a part of it. Now, the the big question is: If you worked for Bobcat, did you get to drive any of uh, any of the equipment? One time, we had one time where we got to go uh, drive equipment, and uh, I did everything I possibly could. I was running around like a like a little kid, you know, in a candy store, and uh, I dug a hole that I called my glory hole, and uh, that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I listen, I don't think I would ever um, have a career as a salesman or as anything that has to do with manual labor or equipment. Um, but I would I would take the interview just as just to ask if I could drive it just to just for fun at that point. I would do the yep. training just to do the Bobcat 
you know, figure out some stuff. 48 hours and then you're out? 48, 24. 24 hours, not even the 48, just 24 hours. And All then the onboarding out. stuff and then I'm out. <laughs> All right. Uh, who are your three favorite soccer players? Uh, it's it's tough. I mean, I I watch a lot of soccer, but like Megan Rapinoe is definitely one of my favorite soccer players to watch. And I love like just the mentality that she brings. Um, I also really loved watching. Uh, I, I started out when I was really young as a goalkeeper uh, was kind of my first position. So like I, I kind of grew up watching Tim Howard and like trying to emulate him. Um, and then Clint Dempsey was like my favorite player when I was like kind of migrating to a field player. Uh, so those That's are awesome. kind of the three that I, I have down as like the players that I really, really like enjoyed and watching. Yeah. Clint Dempsey makes an appearance back to back weeks on, on the podcast. Uh, yeah, that's that, and listen, that's that's awesome. That's great. Um, well, Logan, we we really appreciate your time and and thank you for coming on. Uh, we wish you the best of luck at Magic uh, you know, Soccer FC. Um, you know, we think that the the U.S. club players first community is a small community, but it's a community that we hope um, not only uh, gets bigger, but at the same time, we get to connect with each other and share ideas and 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 resources because that's ultimately what it's all about. That for us, it's it's kind of an open book. Um, there's no reason to hide anything at this point because at the same time, we're all we're no one's trying to reinvent the soccer wheel here. So, um, last thing uh, before you go. Tell us where we can find everything about Magic Soccer FC. Yeah, so uh, we have an Instagram page, um, Magic Soccer Skills, and then our website is magicsoccerskills.com. And that's where you guys can kind of find everything about us. Uh, we update it pretty regularly, um, and we're looking to also incorporate a training session page where people can you know, come in and cherry pick training sessions, some ideas, uh, and you know, even input their own ideas in there so we can upload them up. So, oh, absolutely, absolutely. We're Dwayne and I are all about that. If you want to share any of your winter 25 degree or below training sessions with us, I'm all in. Yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne will demo them and give you feedback right away. Perfect. All right. Yeah. So, Logan, thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, Dwayne, uh, you and I are very excited to be part of the UWS League Two this summer. Absolutely. Um, We're ready for it. We are. And we are also very excited to have this podcast. Um, but one of the other things we're excited about is the fact that for the first time ever, we also have a host of a show on the podcast with us. So we we this is the first time we actually have another um, host of a show. I mean, we've had Matt Ralph on the show, but Matt Ralph is more of a writer. Now he hosts some different things here and there, but we have somebody that's actually hosting a weekly show um, on video, which that's something you and I are not brave enough to do at this point. Uh, no, um, we would have to push the time back so I could get my hair situated. Yeah, absolutely. And my, <laughs> mine too. I need to make sure I can grow some hair. So that would be, that would take some more time. Sorry. That was, that was a low blow to the other guy. <laughs> hey, listen, I I'm, I'm on the same boat as he is. Uh, all right. So with us today, we have the host of UWS weekly, Jonathan Ward, Jonathan, how are you? Man, I'm good. Uh, you know, it's not that I don't have hair. I just paint it invisible to be more like the rock and like Sebastian. So I actually have hair. We just, we need it for lighting purposes. So I, I paint it invisible. 
Listen, I have hair too. I just choose to shave it off. It's true. It's true. I, I mean, I asked my my daughter watched me shave my head this morning, and she was like, "Oh no, you're dumping all your hair out in the bathtub. You can't do that. That's where we shower." And I was like, "It's okay." I was like, "I was like, I got to be able to take my hair off." And she's like, "You don't have that much hair though." So, so like my three year old's just taking shots at me for not. Yeah, having I think hair. somebody hit me in the back of the head with a seven iron. So we're all right. We're all right. <laughs> you asked me a year ago. My hair doesn't look like this. It, that is true. It did not look like that. I can. I was a witness to that. It, it did not look like that. Um, so, Jonathan, uh, thanks so much for coming on today. We're we're really excited. Um, you're the host of UWS Weekly, uh, which is uh, a show that the UWS has started and or you've started with the UWS. And um, so you guys are live every every Thursday night. Every Thursday night, live with a with a new guest from the UWS or UWS two or or member of our community, just to talk a little bit about what each team is doing. You know, it's it's not often you see podcasts or live shows that are able to get these individual communities, these teams together to have a conversation that kind of brings awareness to their cause, to who they are, and really promotes not just the organizations but also the league, right? What the league is doing. If you look at uh, UWS, we started with 11 teams and now we're over 70 between UWS and UWS two. So that's a testament to the growth of the league, but we're also looking to, to create more communities, create more of a, of a, I don't want to say rivalries and, and we want everybody to be able to, Hey, I want to play. How can we make this happen? You know, maybe you guys aren't aware of, Ladies Steel FC until you watch the show, but hey, it's an opportunity to learn more about the teams that we are a part of within our own community. Absolutely, and I actually watched the show yesterday live, um, and and it was really cool to what they were talking about the team from Chicago, um, and I really like their initiative that they do the little ladies uh, initiative that they have is is really cool. So, um, and I think it's I mean it's a very similar aspect to what we're doing at with our podcast where we just want to bring awareness or just bring light to people that don't normally have an, a, 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 the ability to get out or to share, share their message with people outside of their community. Um, because at the end of the day, when we talked about this before, um, no one's reinventing the soccer wheel here. We're, we're all just trying to find somebody else that somebody else has done and try to make it our own and, and hopefully improves it. And then we share it back with somebody else that then improves it after that. So that's, it just kind of, keeps paying it forward. So during the season, um, cause right now, obviously we're in the off season, but during the season, how do you think us UWS weekly is going to, to look like, or is it going to transition into a little bit different, more talking about the matches or are you still going to try to have the interviews? So, yeah, I'm going to try to do more of the interviews as well, but I think for, for the most part, you want to highlight the league, highlight what's going on. You know, what's, what's the union doing as it relates to their game, how they play, who, you know, was there, was there lady of the match? What was the score kind of highlighting teams, almost like a sports center esque, right? Where it's my hope. It's my dream that teams will send in footage of the game Maybe you do a snippet, minute snippet of, of the action and we go over and we talk about it, you know, and then also having those conversations like what, you know, talking to a coach, like what did you do differently? What did you do your in-game tactics, right? Having those personal conversations. I'm not going to get everybody on at the on a Thursday, but I could probably get one coach or, or one player or a member of the executive team for the UWS. To have a conversation about the week. How'd it go? What did you think? What could you have done differently? 
No, I, I have that's... one request. When you said Sports Center, can we please do a not top ten? Whether it's like the whole season, can we do a not top ten? As long as like everybody is like willing, and it's not like well. So listen, the, the UWS started out with eleven teams, so it has to be the top eleven. Top eleven, yeah, it's soccer too. Not yeah, top that's 11. oh, that's perfect. I'm I I think we can make that happen. I think there's enough footage that will be going around to uh to make sure we have something along those lines. That be that. Listen, Friday Fridays is kind of what I look forward to in Sports Center. <laughs> is that t- that not top ten? Um, mostly because I think it's also it's also okay to be able to laugh at yourself every once in a while to just say, you know what, I made a mistake and that's okay and it's kind of funny. Um, so are there any plans? Um, you know, social media or just in general media has come such a long way, and I feel like part of what we've been able to do over the last year with with COVID, one of the few positives or one of the positives that's come out of it is the idea that we've been able to um, look at social media or media in, in a different light and have a, have the ability to, to do some different things. So um, is there, is there plans for, for being able to broadcast some of the games uh, live on YouTube? So yeah, or, the expect- or any other, or any other, any other uh, media or platform. Yeah, so there's an expectation from the league, right? So the league is expecting that all teams have their games streamed and uploaded to YouTube. Yep. And, um, you know, you can use various platforms. For the show, we use StreamYard. Shout out to StreamYard for everything they're able to do. Uh, Working with a a company right now to find a way or even trying to create my own company that would do like a studio in a box or a broadcast in a box, which would have like a soundboard, um, a capture card, a microphone with headphones and that can be distributed to teams in the league. There's all these ideas and concepts that I'm coming up with to try to help teams promote, not just the league, but themselves as well. What does that take? I don't know. Does that mean I go to maybe a game every, every month, pick highlight a game of the month and I go out and I broadcast it uh, live on StreamYard and and YouTube that goes to Facebook and, and Periscope. I'm always down for that. That, that would be, fun in my opinion to be able to go out and and do a game play by play absolutely have, have Listen, a host. If, you, if you if you need a if you need a co-host uh color commentary i have experience i've broadcasted college soccer games before um i've had the pleasure of having to run the camera the equipment and also do the commentary all at the same time all by myself um so at any given point you let me know i'll get on the plane duane will just coach the team that week uh and i'll go out with jonathan and i'll <laughs> We'll make okay. sure we have some not top 10 highlights that week. There we go. There we go. <laughs> you know, and, and if you think about it, like there's not a whole lot of lower league grassroots soccer programs. NISA does a good job of it. But other than that, this is, this is new territory. This is new. Uh, I haven't imagined only being in this last February, right? COVID hit. I decided, all right, let's do a podcast. And I took that podcast to our cup of tea our cup of tea, which is a weekly show that uh, Satara Murray um, and Harley Ford, they are both a part of. And, you know, we've been able to grow that and it's grown to this. And I'm learning new ways to, to, to speak and communicate and, and talk about soccer. So, you know, it can be done. Anybody can do. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think that's the, that's the right idea. And ultimately you're right. There isn't a lot that, you know, when we looked at, you know, when we started our podcast, we looked at, all right, is there anything that has to do with youth soccer from like the grassroots level or even just 
the local club. Um, and there really isn't. I mean, you got ECNL podcasts, you got podcasts that talk about academies and, and those are all great and fantastic. But for us, it was just like, all right, how do we talk about the, the people that don't necessarily get to be in the academy or in ECNL and, and the people that are, that have the ability to just to, I mean, we started, we, when, you know, when we found out we were able to get the UWS two team, um, you know, Duane and I are doing the majority of the work. Uh, we are and my wife pointed this out yesterday. Uh, when she came down and, and I was watching the, the show and she was like, oh man, a lot of these clubs have like managing directors and presidents and, and all this stuff. And I was, she's like, where's that for you guys? I was like, I don't know. It's me and Dwayne, just <laughs> me and Dwayne. Uh, just add on to our email signature, president, yeah, vice ex- president, exactly. chairman. army knife. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately like, yeah, Dwayne and I are, you know, I'm technically the head coach and Dwayne's the assistant coach, but I mean, you could call it head coach and head coach, assistant, associate head coaches, like, to me, the title doesn't really matter. Ultimately, the work has to get done, and we're going to be the ones that are going to do it. Like that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah, and if you think about like kind of the growth behind the game, right? How many players that you have on your club, or you know, even any UWS or UWS two club, how many of those players never played ECNL? How many of those players were select players? How many of those players were rec players? I look at Unity FC, and they're able to attract players from five hours away to come have an opportunity to play for them. They might not have been, you know, ECNL stars or or even ECNL players, but they put on a they, they have a great program. You know, those those are the things that we're looking for that I look forward to is it wasn't always about, you know, are you in uh, ODP? Are you part of the uh, programs? It was, can you play? Do you love the game? And do you have passion to become better? You have those three qualities. I can't coach those. You know, you guys are coaches. You understand like you can't coach heart. Can help a player with talent, yeah, for sure. But there's a there's a mindset for certain players that that you have to look for, and you're not always going to get those in the ECNL players. Yeah, well, that, that describes Delaware, right? Like we're a very small state. You know, we're fortunate to have you know some bigger clubs like uh, Penn Fusion and MC Delco around us. But like you said, it's a it's a commute. If the parent, you know, it really comes down to the parent, and you want to take that commute and invest that time to go up there, the parent. You know, realistically can't do it. You know, you are with one of the, I guess, grassroots clubs, and you still have to develop as a player. So it kind of shows that grit that our players, you know, as Delaware's a community, have to, you know, want to be better and want to take the next steps, even though they don't, they may not have those stepping stones that other clubs may have. Yeah, no, I, it's absolutely true, um, and I think it's just. I think it just shows a, a sense of community as well. You know, for us, we're, we we want to make sure that the players that play for for the Delaware Union Diamonds are are able to um, create or just continue to elevate the pathway that we have at Delaware Union. Um, so for us, is is you know the players that are going to come and watch the the, the games. Um, we want them to look up to the players playing on the team. Um, and you know, we you talked about Unity having players from from five hours away we had a player reach out to us that lives in Dallas that wants to, that, that her parents happen to live in Delaware. And she's like, Hey, I, I'd actually would love to be able to play where, you know, in, in Delaware. And I was like, yeah, man, come on, let's go. Like, I'm excited. Like I called up doing the moment it happened. I was like, we got a player that wants to come from out of state. Like, like, let's go. Like we're, we're in. Uh, so we're, we're really excited for that. So how in Jonathan, how in general did you get started with a UWS? How did you get involved with the UWS? Yeah, so I have to go back to a conversation I had with Alexis Guerreros, who is part of the Cooligans. Um, they do a podcast and a show over on uh, Fubo. And he was talking to us like, 
we just go up to people and say, why not? Why have you not been on my show? And so I was doing our cup of tea and I reached out to UWS and said, Hey, I noticed you need a show. We got it. We, we have to promote the league. Like that was the goal. And, and I was, I wasn't thinking they were going to answer back to me. And I got an email or in a, in a text back saying, we would love to have a conversation. And at that point I, w- I looked at my co-host at the time, Liz, I'm like, Hey, we're going to have a conversation. And I spoke with the executive director, uh, Stephanie Cleves and, and Joe Ferrara, who's the, the commissioner of the league and just had a conversation about what my vision was to do a show that's going to highlight the league. It's going to talk about the community. It's going to have segments, right? We're going to, we're going to talk about our partners. We're going to talk about our community, our players, our teams, and we're going to build. Uh, we're going to build a, a concept of media focus around the league that's going to highlight what the league does. Because if you think about it, there wasn't a whole lot of, of 11 teams to now 70. There's a growth. Now, how many people know about the UWS? There's so many different options now that you you want to highlight. You want to use media to your advantage. And what better way than to have a weekly show that dedicates to the game we all love? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, and you mentioned something that's extremely important. And that's the fact that Stephanie reached back out to you um, and how important communication is. And I think that's when I reached out to Stephanie, um, we, we exchanged a few emails and then we basically just set up a time to talk and we had a 45 minute conversation. And I was like, this is absolutely where what I envisioned as to being the next step in our pathway. And this is part, absolutely what I want to be a part of. Um, and I think that's a, such a strong um, value that, that sometimes goes unnoticed, but the idea of communication is so, is so important. I think the fact that the league in general is, is a league that you can reach out to, right. You can reach out to Stephanie and she'll will respond back to you and, 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 and talk to you. And, and I reached out to you while we were in the middle of the AGM and you got back to me right away. And um, so like that, I mean, that to me makes me not only, not only did I buy in because of that, I'm, I'm, I stay by bought in. You know, I, I, I stay in the league and I want to make sure that the league grows and I want to be a part of it. And I want to get involved as much as I possibly can, because I, I believe in what the league is doing. And I think that's, that's extremely important. And it all stemmed for me, it all stemmed from communication. Yeah. And communication is key. I mean, I'm, I'm an educator, so, you know, I have to be able to communicate with my families, my, my kids. This is the hardest time in life right now for every, for every child, every parent, you know, we've seen rates of depression. We've seen anxiety building up. Our kids need help. Well, what we, what we also need to realize is that there's ways to communicate with people to give them, to get them interested, to get them passionate about something and conversation, communication. So a little bit of behind that is, is the show, right? That's a way to, to get into somebody's living room. You know, it's not a living room anymore. It's a computer, but it's an opportunity to sit down and, and have an opportunity or some structure about soccer where young, young women, mothers, fathers can sit down with their kids and watch a show about a team in their community and hear more about it and learn. You know, I couldn't tell you uh, where Juliet, Illinois was until right before our conversation with Lady Steel and, you know, to hear about the South side of Chicago and to hear about what they're doing with the little ladies project. And that, those are the things that you would miss, right? I mean, you guys are in Delaware. How, how often have you heard about that? Those yeah, are the, no, yeah, absolutely. yeah. So those little initiatives, those community conversations create communication and, and you wouldn't know if we didn't have that opportunity or do it. No, it, helps, it helps grow the sport too, right? Like, yeah. You know, somebody from you know Minnesota hears that that 
that show and then you know they start a similar program right and then goes back to the communication where you can communicate and help grow programs and next thing you know you have little ladies in every city in america right so i think that's you know one of the things that uws and your show is doing is just providing that platform and that exposure to every like walk of life yeah well and we we had uh you know i watched one of the shows where emily eitzman was on and then I contacted her and I was like, Hey, like, would you, I, I love what you, you know, we get to say on UWS weekly. So I, I'd love to have you on the podcast. And she was on a few weeks ago and, and we, we had a great time with her. And the fact that she's, you know, at, at her age, being able to do as much community outreach as she's doing, and she's writing a book. And basically we went on this whole thing. We we're like, we we're going to pre-order a bunch of books uh already we basically already told her like as soon as your book is able to be be ordered let us know we're gonna buy a ton of them we're gonna give them out you got to sign them for us and all this other stuff and it gave her the ability to to kind of showcase that but not only that it gives our players the ability to hear oh my god there's somebody in michigan who's who's writing a book and is 19 years old like i have an idea like uh, I, I could write a book like it, it it you know i'm a soccer player you start you start you know piecing the things together and i think that's that's super important um, well, her, with sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. Go ahead, no, good. With her book too, it's like right in what we're talking about, right? Oh, absolutely, that communication yeah. that that come, overcoming anxiety and fears. Her book is going to be awesome, I, yeah. and I can't wait for it because I'm gonna. It's going to be in my daughter's room framed, and then it's going to be in her in her book that she reads, and I'm going to take it to my son's school, and I'm going to pass it out to his first grade, second grade class, and be like, here you go, here's a book, here's a book, and I'm not going to give to the kids, I'll give it to the parents. Yeah, because the parents need to hear it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, You're- yeah, I think I think that's something soccer wise that we kind of forget about is the parents, right? We expect like parents drop the kids off, pick them up, bring them to the games. I know, like at least for my team, every time we have a game or like, we finish a scrimmage or whatever, I have them go over and thank their parents, right? And I think that's something we got to focus more on is, you know, the parents write the checks, they provide all the expenses and all that stuff but we also want to make sure they're brought along in the journey as well like we support them they understand and we condition them as soccer parents too yeah my high school girls after the game you know before i spoke with them they had to run from one side of the field back to the other and they had to once they got halfway past they had to had a clap for their parents and their friends who were in the stands i mean that was that was just those little things those little nuances that you can add and then of course we'd have the the pre-game the post-game chat and I, they'd go over and hug their parent and just say, thank you. So it's those little moments, right. That we try to conform with and in, in creating not just community, but conversation too. Absolutely. Um, so as I was doing some research um, as, as normally have to do for shows like this, and obviously, you know, this um, I came across, so you, you're the fo- co-founder, I believe of a, uh, I'm not the co-founder okay, so, uh, that would go ahead. So tell tell us about reboot. Uh, yeah, so Dan Redwine uh, with Redwine Soccer up in uh, Washington, the state of Washington, he started this company called Reboot. And the idea was to help more kids play soccer while creating opportunities for the, uh, to practice generosity, empathy, and leadership. And I was working at the time with California Storm here in California, and we were doing a boot drive. And I said, we need to, we need to up this. We need, to, we need to get more people on board. So I reached out to a local uh, club, a couple local clubs, um, American River Football Club was the first one to get back to me with Mike Canty, who is their, their director. And we were, we did a boot drive and I wasn't thinking anything of it. I'm like, Oh, we'll get a couple pair of boots. And then, um, 
as I was building, I'm like, you know what, let's make this bigger. Let's get in contact with local, um, local agencies or local news uh, agencies to, to highlight this. So we did, and we partnered with Street Soccer USA here in Sacramento, and we're able to get about 250 pairs of used soccer cleats that were able to go back to the Street Soccer USA program. Well, at the time, I had had a conversation with Dan Redwine in passing saying what we were going to do. And after we had done this, we did another one and he reached out to me and said, hey, I like how you're, you're aggressive with pushing this and, and making this a movement. Let's work together. And I, I couldn't think of a better cause as, as a soccer player, as a parent who knows the cost of cleats, because look, what's the most important, what's the most expensive pair or thing that you have to get when it comes to equipment? Yeah, cleats. Yeah. So if I could, if I could find a way to save a parent $80, $70, $60 and provide them a pair of cleats, is that going to get the kid more excited to play soccer? One, yes. It's going to take some financial pressure off of a parent, which that stops people from playing yep. that financial pressure. The game is Lawton Ibrahimovic said it best. This game is too expensive in America. It could cost $3,500 for a travel team yep. just for a year. And that's, that's income parents don't get prepared for. That's why we probably see less playing ECNL and more playing select and recreational soccer. And that's kind of a, a nuance to help. That's what's good about the UWS is we have the ability to create these opportunities for players who don't play in the ECNL to get noticed, right? And so with Reboot, it's kind of the same thing. So we create these bins um, that have team logos. It has a reboot and I take it out to wherever, whoever uh, needs one. So university of Nevada, uh, you know, we, we've got one going out that way. So I'll take it directly to them. I'll put it together and we'll do a boot drive. We'll find a local nonprofit or local youth organization that wants uh, to have more kids participating in soccer and we'll set up a drive. We'll make it big. I'll reach out to local news agencies. We'll get a, we'll get street soccer involved. We'll get Ioni training involved. We'll get red wine soccer involved and we'll make it, we'll make it an opportunity to, to kind of make it big to provide for other kids in that, in that region, in that area that want to play the game that we all love. That's awesome. That's amazing. Um, I love that idea. Let's find out more about you. Um, so, uh, and then these two questions, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't give them to you ahead of time. So I, I'm kind of throwing them at you. Um, how did you get started in soccer in general coaching soccer? Well, so I've been playing since I was four. Um, my uncle, Andy Clark, used to be a um, used to be in the program with Celtic FC when he lived in Glasgow, and he moved out here to America around eighteen. He was a um, he was a referee for the old uh, gosh, I can't even think of the name. It's so old, but uh, the league that Pele played in the uh, NASL. NASL. Yeah, the NASL. He was a he was a referee for the NASL. And so I was always around soccer whenever I went up to Portland every year to see him. So he would, you know, he would, when I had tournaments, got older, he would always be at my games. If I was in Oregon, anywhere in Oregon, he would always be there. My dad was, was a big component of play. My parents always wanted to be playing a sport. And I just, soccer was my, was my sport. It was a game where I could play. I could be physical. You know, I'm not the, I'm not the, I'm not the smallest guy on the field. I'm very stocky and wide shouldered. So built like a linebacker. Uh, and I, I could play, I had, I had the ability to get around people and, and maneuver. And I started learning how to cut the ball a certain way with my foot to, with the predators, my favorite boot of all time. 
Um, and there was just things about soccer I loved. And then they, then we started getting involved with Sacramento Knights, uh, which was the CISL team for those of you who don't know, it's the continental indoor soccer league. It had teams like, uh, the Dallas sidekicks, the Monterey La Raza. So I played indoor and I, I'm one of those kids. I thought it was hockey. I'm not gonna lie. You get up against the boards and the first thing you do, you see somebody on the board, your eyes lit up. You're going after that player. <laughs> got, got a couple of blue cards in my time, but, um, you know, I just fell in love. And so as I got older, you know, uh, when St. Mary's college here in California blew my knee out. So soccer was never able to, uh, go on two knee surgeries and you're kind of done on the same knee. And I wish at the time that there had been, you know, more about the mental side of soccer, right? The, the, the psychology, the, the sports psychology part, because I didn't give myself an effort to get back on the pitch. And so when you look at that now, the sports psychology aspect, the psychology within the sport is so huge for players with injury because I don't know how many people were in my situation, but so I missed the game and, and got into coaching at a high school in Richmond, California. And it was girl soccer. Uh, the head coach had essentially said, ah, I don't want to coach these girls anymore. And I was the assistant varsity coach for the men. And I'm like, I'll do it. So I walked over there, introduced myself and we, we weren't the most successful on the pitch that year, but we were, we had a fighting spirit and we, we continued to do it. And I've just been in love with the girls game, the women's game since that time. And that was 2009 and I haven't left. That's awesome. So last question, uh, who are your three favorite soccer players? Oh man. So I got to go. My first one is Edgar Davids. Um, anytime you can have Edgar Davids in and, and he was just a brute. I, I like to think that my game was similar to him, but I was a forward, but in terms of what he was able to do, if he, if he lost the ball, he made sure he did everything to get that ball back. You know, he never, he never gave up on the play and it showed. Was, would, could, would we, would you call him the best player to ever play with glasses on? Oh by far. I mean, the only other player that would come to mind for glasses in a sport was Kurt Rambis or Horace Grant. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's basketball. So yeah, I look at, I look at Edgar Davids and even before the, the glaucoma goggles that he used to wear, I used to actually practice with a pair like that. So we went down to Cabo one year and, and I found a pair that looked like him. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to sport these during practice. And I would wear them <laughs> during practice to think I was like Edgar Davids. It was, that was high school, my sophomore year. It's pretty cool. Number two, you got to go with King Henrik Larson. I mean, that guy could look what he did. He played for Celtic, went to Manchester United, single-handedly, you know, owned that area or that era for, for Manchester United when he played. And then he goes to Barcelona and just balls out. I mean, so you got to go King Henrik Larson for, from Celtic. And then last but not least, I mean, I, oh, it's hard because normally for me, it would be, it would be a toss-up between Eric Cantona and Zlatan Ibrahimovic, but they're the same person. <laughs> They're the same person um, in how they, how they play. They have a, they, they have this swagger about them. Eric Cantona did it before anybody else. So I have to go with, with King Eric because he was just, when he went to Manchester United, he really changed the mentality of that club. He, he took everything that he had um, and he played with a, he played with a chip on his shoulder. He didn't take flack from anybody, you know, on the pitch or in the stands, as we all know with the flying, uh, the flying kick. Kung yep. Fu kick. Oh yeah. But he also was ahead of his time. Could you imagine Eric Cantona playing alongside like Ronaldinho, who was another one of my favorites 
And those two being able to do, I mean, just the swagger that those two had. Yeah. Oh man, I'm sorry. That's, that's the way to do it. But my, my fourth would be Ronaldinho. Yeah. If, if, I, if you gave me a fourth, I'd say Ronaldinho. Yeah. That listen, that's a, that's a fantastic list. Um, and that's, that's a list that again, if anybody out there has not heard of, uh, any of those three players, uh, make sure you YouTube, uh, that's the upside of, of YouTube <laughs> at this point, right? You can yep. have the ability to do that. Um, but speaking of social media, before you go, uh, let everybody know where they can go and watch the UWS weekly show. Yeah. So you could find all things UWS and UWS two, um, on their social media pages at UWS league two for, for UWS two, and then UWS soccer for the UWS. Uh, we are live on Instagram or not Instagram. We are live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube every week. Just look up United Women's Soccer. You'll find us. And then if you want to keep up with all things UWS Weekly, you can find us at UWS underscore weekly on Twitter, where we uh, will we'll retweet a lot of things from women's soccer. We don't claim to quote anything. We'll, we'll add stuff, but um, that would be the best way to find us. And then for the show, you know, just just. Stay tuned if you need more information or want to have a conversation about what we do or why we do it. Shoot me a direct message on the UWS uh, weekly Twitter and we'll have a conversation. Absolutely. Well, Jonathan, uh, thanks so much for coming on. We wish you the best of luck with the show. We're obviously obviously going to be tuning in every every Thursday that uh, that we can. And if we can't do it a Thursday, for sure, Friday morning after training, we'll, we'll be watching uh, the show. And we're really looking forward to the season and hopefully uh, – have you out in Delaware broadcast a game at this point? Let's do it. Let's let's I'm find a, let's find a way to set that up. I'm in. Let's let's make it happen. And also, let me know if you ever need a co-host for anything. Uh, let me know. Well, I'll leave Dwayne in charge, and I'll and I'll fly out wherever you wherever you are. We'll 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 uh we'll set something up. Well, that's the beauty of of the position we're in now. We can just uh we can just do a remote, right? Yeah, but I'd rather go somewhere at this point. Like I'm just like I love the idea of going somewhere. Uh, I've only been to California once uh had an okay experience in la uh but i i want to be able to do california right well i i look forward to that opportunity maybe we can meet midway maybe there's going to be a game between uh that unity is going to be in that we could get into for uh the happiest of joe's cups let's do it uh, we'll make it happen let's do it thanks so much all right guys have a great one cheers all right we're going to move on to the fifa club world cup because that is something that we we touched on earlier um and Bayern won nothing. I mean, you know why, that, you know why it's one nothing? Well, I mean, VAR. You see that left back they got over there? I mean, v, yeah. I mean, yeah. But here's the cool thing, right? So Flick comes in as supposed to be the like temporary coach. Supposed to hold things down, right? Just yeah. And all of a sudden, things down, stay afloat. Go six for six. I mean, you're talking FIFA Club World Cup, Champions League, Europa Super Cup, or whatever it's called, the, the that other trophy. Yeah, the Super Cup. Um, Bundesliga. Bundesliga. Bundesliga League Cup. And the Pokal. And then and the uh, other and then this the, this new Bundesliga Super Cup or whatever it's called too. The Pokal or whatever yeah. it is. Sigo six for six. The only other, which was great, Guardiola's message back was. Uh, you know another team that went six for six? Uh, it was uh, Barcelona. Uh, let me call up Messi and the guys and see if we can get a, a, a game in for that seventh title. Well, he's he's got three guys that can still play that are still on the team. Yep. Um, 
the other eight. Well, no, you got Ibra. He could. He's still playing. He's still playing. Henri's coaching. Andre's so I don't coaching. know how many others other guys are still going to be fit. No, not really. Bohan's still playing. <laughs> God, Berkic. <boy>, <laughs> that's right. Oh, Pedro's but, still playing. No, that's. I mean, they didn't. I'm gonna, you know, I'm a Pep Guardiola fan. They yeah. didn't do it in the same calendar year. Obviously, that wasn't their fault. Right. But I mean, that's still an amazing feat, you know, to go six for six. Like that shows you have squad depth. Um, you can get results because you know those stars, you know, Lewandowski, Muller, Kings and Coban, Serge Gnabry. Yeah. You know, they're playing in Neuer. They're all playing a lot of games. But, you know, sometimes they don't feature in those smaller competitions so they, they can get rest. So it, it shows that you know, that squad deep from years, yeah. like for years to come, like after this, like the older guys kind of get out, like they got talent coming up. I mean, you can see it with Alfonso Davies. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, it was, uh, that was, that was pretty cool. Now the other, on the other side of it, Palmeiras loses in the semifinals, which just goes to show you how poor of a Libertadores this was. Um, and I sent you the uh, I sent you the the last PK of that game, um, giant run up, this little jumping thing, and then the goalkeeper saves it. Um, and at that point, you just want to yeah. Wanna... For the young players out there listening, split second decision, pick a corner, put the ball in the back of the net. You've done nothing, it. Done nothing fancy. Don't need all that other stuff. You do. You guys shoot the ball enough before practice. We have to tell you to stop shooting. Yeah. Just take a shot. Put it in the yeah. corner. Split yeah. second decision. Be done with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, player of the match. Uh, I mean, mine goes to Byron. Uh, just because, I mean, you go six for six. It's something that's only been done twice or one other time. So you go six for six. Do you know, um, here's a trivia question. Oh, boy. Do you know what, in what country you can go seven for seven? In what country can you go seven for seven? It's not this one. I know that. No, it's a European country, but you can go seven. You can win more than six titles. Uh, is it England? Yeah, no. it's England. England? Yeah. Because I think they have that Carabao Cup. Carabao Cup, the, yeah. FA Cup. Yeah. FA Community Shield, the Premier League. Well, in theory, right, if you're a champion, so if you're a, if you're a championship team or any team from a lower division and you win the FA Cup, you automatically get put into the Europa League, I believe. Yeah. So in theory, you could do that playing in the second division, win the Europa League, win all the other cups. Yeah. So are you, say, are you are you saying we should go down to the championship, buy a couple of players, and be like, hey, try to go seven for seven? Try to go seven for seven. Let's do it. I'm I'm all in, man. I'm in for that. Um <laughs> <laughs> all right, who's your player of the match? I'm going, I got two players. Uh One's a former city player, um, Phil Foden and Jack Harrison. Um, so for people listening out there, go look at their goals. Um, they just blasted the ball over the keepers' heads, like blasted the ball over the keepers' heads with pace. Like they well struck both of them. Um, didn't pick a corner out. They just said, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna strike this. You're not gonna be able to stop it." Might have been. Might have been one of the few times I actually got to see Phil Foden smile. Yeah, he, he well, he had no choice but to smile after that goal. <laughs> I mean, it was a well-struck ball. We were, we were just joking about the keeper a couple minutes beforehand, and he does that. Um, yeah, they ran it up on Liverpool. <laughs> that was a fun game to watch. Um, and Jack Harrison, I mean, he played 
college soccer, I believe, in the U.S. Played for yep. NYCFC. Yeah. Now balling out for Leeds. Yeah, that's right. All right, on this day in soccer history, um, and we got we got a we got a two for one or three for one actually. So um, this one, the first one's the non-soccer related on this day in history. So not necessarily soccer history. Well, somewhat soccer history because it's soccer history related. Um, so February 12th, 1861, it is when uh, the first town council decided to that um, that Middletown, the town of Middletown, Delaware, uh, should be one half mile in each direction and form the shape of a diamond uh, known as the diamond town of the diamond state. So uh, then the birth of the Delaware Union Diamonds, um, 140, oh no, 180 years later. Shout so, out to the uh, forefathers of Middleton. That's right. So um, forefathers, one for each. <laughs> get, oh, that's, uh, that's pretty funny. Uh, so yeah, so make sure you also follow us at, uh, uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Delaware Union, Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer, on Twitter at DE Union Soccer. And of course, talking about the diamonds, follow uh, at the at DE Union Diamonds and on Facebook, facebook.com slash DE Union Diamonds. February 28th is when we have our info session online. So really excited for that. All right. So second on this day in history, and this is the one that's a twofer. So uh, February 12th, 2003, Wayne Rooney becomes the youngest English international at that time. Theo Walcott would go and be younger later. Uh, but uh, Wayne Rooney becomes the youngest at that time in a friendly against Australia to put on the England national team jersey. That was, it feels like Wayne Rooney, like never aged. Now, Wayne Rooney has a really good connection to February 12th. Because in February 12th of 2011, uh, Wayne Rooney scores his famous bicycle kick goal for a 2-1 win against City. And if you've never seen that goal, make sure you go look it up because it was pretty impressive considering Wayne Rooney is not the tallest player on the field. No, he's a little, uh, he's not a little guy. He's kind of big, but yeah, he's not like Ibra. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't towering over players. So you think Wayne Rudy got like Valentine's Day off if he like scored goals? If the team won, like they didn't have training on Valentine's Day or something? No. You don't think that's as significant to like February 12th? Do you think Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson was giving people time off? I mean, it was Sir Alex Ferguson. No, I already know the answer to that. <laughs> I think we all know the answer to that. We all know the answer to that for sure. All right. So fair play of the week. Um, so I wanted to I wanted to do a different kind of fair play of the week for this week. Um, so I want to shout out anybody that has helped you out or myself out um when we've had a tough time in coaching. So uh, my fair play of the week. Uh, is going to go to my buddy Fields um, because anytime I have a tough time or anytime I struggle with the decision of being a full-time soccer coach or making this my career, um, he's there to to make sure that um, I'm doing the right things or he's there to guide me. Um, and also my wife, who's always supported me for, for doing this. So who's your fair play this week? We give a shout out to all the, uh, I guess, program partners with Delaware Union. So um aspi did the boys uh college night 
Um, so shout out to the people that put that together. That was awesome. Um, you know, I kind of went through the process more recently than probably most of those parents did. Um, so a lot of that stuff was information I already knew, but it was good to have that conversation with people that are in age seventh, sixth grade, ninth grade, seniors, like all those different age groups to have those conversations. So they were able to ask those questions and figure out what, like they were able to ask a college coach, like, what do you want from me from film? You know, and get those answers. And I also want to shout out Kitt County. Um, they had that turf field ready for us on Tuesday after the snow over the weekend, you know, all the snow was plowed out and we were able to train on Tuesday. So shout out to them for that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.